This is Writer's Cast, a podcast about books and authors. I'm your host, David Wilk. Today I'm talking to Betsy Davidenis about her book, If You Want to Know How I Got Brainwashed. It is an amazing book. I am just a huge fan of this book, and I will point out right away, just in the interest of transparency, that I published this book so that I am definitely and clearly biased in favor of it. How are you, Betsy? I am well, thank you. Thanks for taking some time to talk to me. It is always difficult, I think, to talk about a visual book. Uh, mm -hmm. It's definitely, I mean, talking about books sometimes is challenging no matter what, but because you're talking about a written form in oral terms, but talking about art books seems to be even harder. And for you, this is a book about your life and you're a painter. And maybe you could talk a little, I, I'm really interested in your painting process that mm. you made. You know, there are a couple of hundred paintings in this book. That's a really, that's a, an amazing amount of work. How long did it take you to paint this story? I think it was about three years, but I've been making monoprints since college. It was really my favorite art classes were learning how to make monoprints. And because I've been making them for, well, a really long time, since I was in my early 20s, I have just uh, made, over the years, I've changed how I do them. But I paint on glass rub the uh, paper, I press the paper on the glass, and then I pull it off, look at it, and I paint again. I might keep pressing about six times. Mm. So does that mean, in monoprint, does that mean you're, it's reverse? So It's reverse. Another, yeah. Right. So you're painting in reverse, visualizing what it's going to be in positive. Right. And, that and seems getting, to me amazing. Well, I like the surprises. You can't totally control it. Right. And that makes it fun. And how large are the each of the paintings? You know, in the book, we've got them at roughly, you know, it's roughly 10 by 8, which is definitely a smaller size than the originals. Uh, but how big are the originals? Uh, almost the same size. They're very small. Ah, oh, yeah, That makes it even more interesting to me because I thought that because the detail is so amazing in these paintings and I wish, you know, I will show some of them in the website, but obviously some, you know, some people may hear this podcast and never really have been able to see the art. So, um, you know, we'll have to talk around it, I guess. Yeah, well, I think I was able to capture some of the uh, emotion of the whole experience. And I think the way I look at this experience now, which is with some humor and just accepting that this is what happened to me. So this story took place over 40 years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Early 80s? Early 80s to mid 80s. And yeah. it was only about three years that I was in the cult. Right. And yeah, it was a total trauma, but, you know, just in understanding um, occult experience, you can deal with it. So do, are the paintings more recent, or were these done um, closer to the time frame of the story? When, when oh, did you no, do they're these? they're very recent. Yeah. yeah, so it's how I've digested this story. Right, right. so you're telling the story 
of that, you know, longer ago. So you've had time to process and, but you still, you're, it's still a a raw emotional experience for you on many levels, I assume. Yeah, it was, it was hard um, sort of reliving that crazy time that's really as hard for me to understand as it would be for anyone who looks at my book. It's hard to understand because it's so against how we feel about ourselves. You know, we feel in control. One interesting thing for me is that I really like the parts of myself that got me into trouble. (laughs) You know, it isn't as though I feel like, oh, that was, I mean, it was a horrible mistake. It It was my fault what happened to me. But I was up against really bad people and really clever people. Right. Manipulative people. Oh, just awful. Yeah. I mean, really wanting to do me in, uh, my family in. They didn't care about you. No. And I think that that's, that's, part, that's the part that's really hard to accept when you, when you are engaged with people that are so... I would I would say evil. I think you yeah. know there it's a form of evil. It's it is the kind of denial of you you as a human being and the their the elevation of themselves above you. So your needs are not don't mean mean anything to them. Yeah. Only their needs. You you become a stick figure to them. Somebody to and that's just terrible to experience that. But I really appreciate your saying that you love the part of yourself that allowed that to happen because what it means is that you recognize that you're a good person. It's not you that did something terrible. You, that you were, um, you know, the goodness. Yeah. They're, they're the nasty ones. It's, but you know, I think it's important to, um, to take responsibility for Mm -hmm. the the bad decisions I made, you know, no one made me do that, but I think it's because I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be, uh, you know, I like knowing all kinds of people. Um, I want to be open. I don't want to be all closed up. Right. You want to be trusting of people and you don't want this experience to make you into someone who's unable to trust. Right. I don't think I'll ever be as trusting. Um, and I, I understand what it is to be suggestible. Mm-hmm. And I like that part of myself. I paint the way I do because I am suggestible. I can feel those feelings and try to put them down visually. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that it, the, the, your sensitivity is what also makes you um, able to be taken advantage of in a certain way. Well, I don't think I would be again, because I know that that's, I I was easy to hypnotize. Mm. I'd been doing transcendental meditation. And so I was used to being out there. But even though TM is considered to be a cult, no one, when I was all alone, meditating was manipulating me. and. Um, I loved doing that, but um, I can't meditate anymore. It's just 
did you stop meditating because of that ex you know the the bad experience of being in the cult? um well when i encountered um the cult they told me to stop meditating they said that that was evil bad and that um i should um pray uh, but mm. i think the way they prayed i was just out there in outer space like i was when i was meditating and in that um that's an altered state and um the mind uh doesn't um think critically right in that situation so they i was easy right. to hypnotize oh, that's so interesting i hadn't really thought of the being in that state as being this you know similar to being in an altered state for um where you're and it is it does make sense to, that you're in a hip uh, open to hypnosis kind of condition at that point yeah. hadn't really thought about it in that way before that and some so people are easier to hypnotize than others and i'm right. already more of an someone easy to hypnotize Right. So you probably don't want to do hypnotherapy. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no. I've never heard of that. Oh yeah, no, it's a it's definitely a thing that um oh. um I've been interested in it. I've never really felt comfortable being hypnotized, but it's it's sort of an intriguing idea that you can be hypnotized and it's a way of uh, reaching your, you know, the parts of you that need to be healed because you're open to the suggestion, you know, you, the defenses aren't there. So, and that's kind of what you're describing, but you know, there, there you, of course, if you're being hypnotized, you really have to know that the person hypnotizing you is yeah. trustworthy. Um, right. and that's, that's a thing, you know, you would wonder yeah. about that, um, because you're vulnerable, uh, yeah. at that point. So I'm, I've never been quite ready to be that vulnerable. Maybe that's, uh, you know, a, a well, don't bring your of, checkbook if you ever do it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, right. Theoretically, right. They make you, you probably, they probably are aware of that concern. Um, I don't know. I were joking about hypnotherapists. I'm probably somebody's listening who is, is one and they'll <laughs> tell me that I'm wrong about all of this stuff. But, mm. um, so aside from the, I mean, I want to go back to your, the painting because this is, you, you know, a, a major project to collect, you know, to tell a story in painting, as you described three years worth of work. Do you do that often? Is that part of your work or is this a singular project because you wanted to work on this particular story? You, you mean, do I follow certain themes? Do you do other narrative projects with paintings or is this the, you know, the singular story? Well, this is the biggest one, right. but um, I've always painted with themes that have to do with my life. Do you do uh, people or, because this book is full of people and there, I think that that is one of the strengths is this incredible evocation of human beings and emotions and um, events. You know, it's great storytelling, but the characters are just fantastic. Yeah, these nasty people. Sure, yeah. um, but yeah. also your yourself in it, and your family in it. Me, yeah. Well, yeah, yes. I mean, I've painted a lot of people and animals in landscapes, and also um, paintings where I, I include 
paintings in our that we own, you know, um, friends' paintings that we have, and w- which are in that story in the background, in you know, rooms in my house. I'll I'll do I'll have in the background various paintings, um, and you know, all the ones they thought were evil, right? The cult, right. They thought our paintings were nasty, and I include. Also, my husband's uh, photos, you know, my paintings of his photos. Right. I know. I love that. He, I mean, I think I, I've seen his work, you know, aside from being in the, in the book. And so I know a little bit about his painting, I mean, his uh, photographs, but I love the idea that you're, um, you know, layering um, art upon art so that you're representing the already representational work. Um, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, and it it adds to the um, evocativeness of the story. I think that you're full of you know it's full of detail, but it's not pain. It's not uh, you know uh, representational in the fullest sense. It's 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 right. always um, uh, your take on it. Rather, you're not you're not you're not. It's not photography. It's painting. Right. I suppose in, it's my quirky painting style, and also. I think I I show how I was feeling and how I view those people, terrible people. Um, but having the paintings in the background, I'm showing what uh, matters to me so much. Right. You know, looking looking at a painting for decades is meaningful. That is absolutely true. I think that when a piece of art has been in your life, your whole life, my mother was a painter and she um, mm-hmm. owned a lot of art. And I, so, and everyone in my, and my, and she also got my grandparents to buy art. So all of the people in my generation, you know, cousins, we all have memories of paintings that were, oh, that's grandma's living room. You know, that was there. And those paintings define your memory of mm. places yeah. and people. So when you see the painting, uh, it's not just anymore. Um, I mean, it's still the painting and you can still look at it and enjoy and feel it, but it has, it carries a lot of yeah. memory with it. And that, that I think that's important too. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your words because in fact it is also a narrative with words and you really stripped it down so that there are very few words per page it's a you know i i think when we were first working together um i was really impressed with your um narrative in the sense that you are telling the story in a very simple way but it's really powerful um how long did it take you i mean you must have I'm assuming this this was a an effort, you know, it didn't just all pop out. Um, but maybe not. Maybe this you just told it. Well, the paintings popped out. Um and really I worked on them pretty much chronologically. I started painting um the images with water pouring on them, and then though the differently colored faces in profile that sort of I wanted to describe 
what my brain felt like mm. uh, when I was um, exit counseled and when I just snapped after six days, all of a sudden I had my mind back. And <clears throat> that was such a strong experience um, to be myself and then for a few years not be myself and then all of a sudden be right back. And I remembered everything that had happened, um, mostly. You know, sometimes I suppose I was sort of dissociative and couldn't quite remember things that happened. Um, but you were asking me about words. Once I almost finished painting all the paintings, the words just flowed. And... Um, I'm a painter, I'm just not a writer, but the words just came and the paintings got me there. That's so, yeah. No, it, it, I think that makes sense. Um, but I think you need both the paintings and yeah. the words. And, um, but I think it's important for the story that the words remain spare. Yeah. That the paintings do the heavy lifting in a way. Um, but you still need the words. I, I think that that's important. But the I think the paintings convey the emotion and the words more the events. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's a little unfair. But um, you know, you need the word. You need the emotions to that the only the paintings can provide. I think it's just so interesting to. You know, to, for someone, I'm mostly, you know, I, I could never paint in my life. So I really admire the painter, um, you know, the painterly storytelling. Uh, but to be able to combine both is really powerful. Yeah, well, it was a powerful experience um, creating the book. Yeah, being back there. So do you get, do people contact you who have been in other cults and who share experiences? Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember her name now. I, I interviewed, oh, um, no, Helen, uh, Helen Zuman, who wrote a oh, book no. about be, being in a cult. I read um, her book, yeah. Yeah, and I was really struck by that book and um, yeah. talked to her about it. Um, and, you know, in a, similarly, she was, um, you know, there, there, there are things, there are similar similarities to one story, I think, you know, for people who have been in those experiences and it kind of creates a, almost like a community of people who have been through that because yeah. you have a shared understanding of what it's like and only you only those who have fully, you know, been in it can really share it in the same way. Yeah, and most people don't want to talk about it, you know. Well, because it's scary. Yeah. And I think they're embarrassed. Um, and if they talk about it too much, you know, they, they worry about their career or trying to figure out a new career. They have so many worries. Most people have uh, financial worries after being in a cult. But yeah, over the years, a lot of people have told me about groups they were in. Um, and it usually 
if I were um, walking with a, a, a friend um, hiking in the woods, they'd tell me, oh, I was in Scientology or I was in a long-distance running cult. One woman told me she was in Jim Jones People's Temple. Oh my but God. She, she, you know, didn't go to South America, luckily. Right. Um, yeah, but mostly people tell me their stories all alone. Um, right. They're embarrassed. Is there, um, I know that there is the organization that studies cult and cult behavior, which, yeah. um, you know, is connected to the book, but is there, I, there, I assume there is some sort of organization, even if it's informal of people who are, you know, I don't know whether you call survivors or former members of cults. Yeah. It, that it, same group, the international cultic studies association has groups to help people recover right. from their and, experience. And, and they, they also they, focus on people who grew up in a cult. Because that's really uh, right. awful, right? And you hear, you do hear many stories of young people who were born into cults and yeah. grew up in them, and not knowing anything else other than that environment. It yeah. must be so strange. It's sort of like leaving a, um, you know, a country and entry coming to another country, um, even you know when you. Um, leave a cult, and that's the only place you've ever been. Yeah. Yeah, that must be really hard. Do you think that, um, I mean, because cult behavior is obviously not going away. No, they're here to stay. Yeah. And there are, and it's sort of a little bit like um, online scams, you know, where people get phone calls that convince them that they, if they do X, why will happen you know the sort of you get trapped in this whole um rabbit hole of behavior which i don't it's not quite the same as a cult but it's a similar sort of thing where you're well it's being conned but yeah i think in a cult they make it really fun you know um i mean that's the thing about cults there's so much fun in the beginning and right. um People are so nice. And so once you're having a great time, you might put up with a lot. And it is sort of like a Ponzi scheme, though, where you join the cult and then your job is to go recruit more. You know, it's always uh, yes. like that's, I remember that was true in Helen Zuman's book where she was in yeah. this uh, commune and the pretty much the job was to full time go out there and, um, you know, sell things to support oh, the cult yeah. and get more members and, you know, do this. It was all like, it became a, a kind of a machine uh, of going to, you know, to a self-continuing machine. Yeah. And she was so good at it. Um, but then they kicked her out, which is lucky. Yes. <laughs> right. It's uh, the, the ones who get either kicked out or um, you know, somehow extricate themselves without the kind of help that you had is probably lucky, but also in a lot of ways more difficult because they don't have a support system. Um, like, yeah, with them. and they don't like, know what they've been through. Right. Right. Yeah, that's the worst, just to not understand it. But have have you ever been in a position where you could help another person? You know, has that just by any chance, come along to help someone else who's been through this? 
Well, people, when I did my book talk in the fall, there were some young people there who said they left because of me. So even if it doesn't happen right away, sometimes people, you know, know something. Right. They can go online and read. Yeah, I, I think the most important thing people can do after a cult experience is just get their lives together because that's what the cult has ruined. Don't let them get away with it, you know? What would your advice be to families where they have a child or relative of some kind that's in a cult? Because it's so difficult for people. It is so hard. They don't know what to do. Well, they can go to the International Cultic Studies Association website, get in touch with someone there and talk to them. Um, They would have books that they sell about what a family can do. Of course, what my family did for me is just a huge amount of effort. Um, It was so wonderful my family did that because I don't think I would have left. And, But I think the family just has to get educated and try to keep things, um, keep communication going with their child. And, you know, not let them think that you're horrified. (laughs) So you get more information. Right. Even though you are. (laughs) You are. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And and of course, a lot of the cult organizations, they work really hard to separate people from their families for just that reason. uh, Sure. So that there isn't a a support system to take them away or to undermine the cult. Um, So it's very tricky because you, you know, the minute you try to do that, you've become the enemy. And um, you don't want them to supplant you. So there's always this fear of saying the wrong thing and, you know, cutting off communications. Yeah, that would be really scary, I would think. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your doing this. This was really a great opportunity for me to talk to you about this book. I love the book. I hope more people get to see it. This has been Writer's Cast, a podcast about books and authors. I'm David Wilk. I've been talking to Betsy Dovadenis about If You Want to Know How I Got Brainwashed. It is a fantastic book. I really recommend it to you.